Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another wonderful and exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. I'm your host and narrator, Springheeled Jack, and we're going to get started today after just a few brief disclaimers. First of all, the show might offend you. If you're easily offended, please turn the show off and spare me the negative reviews on the podcast store, or the iTunes store, whatever the fuck you call it, uh, because you won't like the show. This is your first and final warning. Second, I use advertisements in this show that I do not own the rights to. They are the creative property of Rockstar Games. That is all. Hey, around here is barbecue season year-round. That means it's time to kill some factory-farmed animals, pack the cooler, cremate some dead flesh, and invite your friends over to get into drunken fistfights. At Smoked Dreams, we have oversized grills that can smoke a 10-point buck or medium-weight neighbor. <laughs> hey, in the suburban backyard barbecue ego wars, you need the equipment to prove you're manly. Fry a turkey live for a great party trick. Or pick up our $15,000 grill with a built-in abattoir. Insert a live animal, and it will skin butcher and flip it on the grill automatically while your neighbors look on in envy at what a man you are. Forget about charcoal or propane. With our patented mixture of kerosene and liquid hydrogen, you'll scorch the competition. We also sell backyard tiki torches that can be used in case you need to form a drunken mob to run a neighbor out of town. Smoke dreams. Kill it and grill it. Why aren't I more successful? What's limiting my true potential? Why aren't I more pretty? How do I get more powerful tools? Am I a descendant of craft? Why are women made from sand? Why have so many famous people sorted everything out? How much does wisdom cost? What is the Epsilon program? Kiflam. 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 We speak 160 languages on six continents. We are the Epsilon program. Kiflam. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning back in to another Halloween special episode of the Anthology of Horror. Today, we're going to be wrapping up The Vampire's Promise by Carolyn B. Cooney. And with no more further ado, let's jump back into it. Snow has beauty, no matter how deep and troublesome. Snow is a blanket of loveliness over a harsh world. But instead of snow came sleet, ice-laden rain that pelted down on a slippery gray world. The sky was blotted out. Kimmy Jo loaded her car with friends and headed for Pizza Hut. Ryan, Michael, and Constance got into Michael's car. Constance sat in the front between the two boys. Not one of them called Althea's name. She walked home in the sleet. Wet ice penetrated her scarf and soaked through her mittens. It was downhill. Twice she lost her balance, slipped, and fell. On the second fall, she tore the knee out of her pants and her English notebook fell in an ice puddle. The ink ran, the notes were ruined. She sobbed, but nobody glanced out of a car window to see. Nobody cared. The towering hemlock hedge around her house was heavy and sagging with old snow and new ice. Tires from passing cars had flung up grime so that each branch was ugly, stained like rust. Althea slipped again on her porch steps. This time when she got up, her ankle hurt. She had to haul herself inside by hanging onto the railing. I can't try out for cheerleading now anyway, she thought. My ankle can't bear my weight. She pulled off her wet clothes and took a long, hot bath, surrounding herself with bubbles and perfumes. She wrapped herself in a satiny robe with ivory lace and tucked her feet in the soft slippers. I was going to be captain, she thought. Mrs. Roundman said so. My future is over before it even began. My friends have vanished before I even memorized their phone numbers. My cheerleading uniform will be given to another girl and nobody will remember I was even on the squad. 
She tried to comfort herself with food, but there were no snacks in the house that she could possibly have swallowed. She turned on the television, but the laughter hurt her ears. The talk shows were too bright and chatty. She stood alone in a huge house in a dark valley during a storm, and the phone did not ring. Other people were gathering for pizza and Cokes. Other people had friends. Other people mattered. I have algebra to do, she thought. I have to have supper and study for a history test. How can it be that I have a load of laundry waiting? How can it be that I have to open a book, turn a page, sharpen a pencil? She cried for a long time. She did not feel better. It did not change anything. It just made her eyes red and her head ache. She went to bed early. There was nothing else to do. In her dreams, a computer tapped out her death knell. Unseen fingers endlessly typed the closing sentence on Althea. The entire world was clicking, tapping, typing. Althea is over. Althea woke up, cheeks wet with tears, hugging the pillows because there was no warm body to hug her, and there never would be again. The vampire continued to tap his fingernails on the foot of her bed. The hollow iron frame vibrated with each click. His fingernails were tarnished in yellow, like teeth that needed brushing. Althea, shivering beneath a stack of heavy wool blankets, wept again. You don't have to be alone, said the vampire. His voice was rich and contented like cream soup or blood. She looked at him through her tears. He was not wearing his cape. He seemed almost not there. He was mostly voice and fingernails. Where's the rest of him, she thought, swiveling eyes and a head like an owl. Afraid to turn her back, but needing to locate the enemy. I'm sorry you had to suffer today, said the vampire. Sometimes lessons are painful to learn. But have you learned your lesson, Althea, the vampire asked. She held the pillow in the air between them. You may have it back now if you're a good girl, said the vampire. Have what back, said Althea weakly. His voice whispered through the room like a cat purring. Your popularity, he breathed. The cape appeared. It leaned past the vampire's shoulders towards Althea, and this time its edges were velvet and rich. No, she said, the velvet cape settled on the edge of the bed and tucked its edges around her feet to keep them warm. You must keep Becky, the vampire said. You need a friend. Becky will be your friend. Oh, to have Becky as a friend, to have the phone ring, laughter ring, a friend's voice ring. Althea buried her face in the pillow. You give me Constance, said the vampire. His cape was as furry as a teddy bear. Wear me, it said silently. Althea pulled her feet up closer to a chest and tucked herself into a little round ball, as far from the cape and the vampire as she could get. Constance, repeated the vampire. Give him Constance, who was perfect, who was perfect for Michael, who with Michael made a couple she loved. You'll make the basketball squads, the vampire. You'll be busy and happy, surrounded by friends. Constance? And Ryan will be waiting for you after tryouts, said the vampire. He feels terrible that he was so rude today. He cannot imagine why he acted like that. She had no lights turned on, and yet the bedroom had a strange sheen. Pink walls, peach carpet, quilted chair all glowed. A new captain will have to be elected, whispered the vampire. She trembled. The most popular girl is always chosen captain, whispered the vampire. You will be the most popular girl. She stared at the lace edge on her pillowcase. How pretty it was. How fragile. How feminine. She touched it with her fingers. Her cruel scarlet talons nearly tore the lace. She pushed them back under the blankets. I want ordinary fingernails, she thought. Soft, rounded, pink nails. I would never make another request after Constance, said the vampire silkily. You need only bring Constance into my dark path. She would be popular again, a cheerleader again, and have friends again, have Ryan again. Only Constance, she whispered. Their voices matched. 
airily, bottlelessly, light and frothy, as if they were talking about nothing, just feathers and dust. Constance, he repeated. The vampire smiled. She found that she had been accustomed to his smile now. There was a certain symmetry in the way his teeth lined up that other smiles did not share. Never anybody else, she whispered. Of course not, he assured her. She laughed bitterly. You're fucking lying. He smiled. His teeth chattered. They pecked at his lip like beaks of a bird. The teeth clinked up and down. His fingernails clicked up and down too. And the typing typed out, second chance, Althea, second chance. Just Constance, and that's it. I won't be back again, said the vampire. The cape slithered off her bed. Either you take this chance, Althea, or you do not. Either you are popular again, or you are not. It's quite simple, really. The cape tightened around the vampire like a cocoon shutting in on a dying butterfly. Now get a good night's sleep, Althea. Tomorrow is an important day for you. She shut her eyes. When she opened them, he was gone. She was alone. And that was the decision, really. Not Constance, but whether she could stand to be alone for the rest of her high school life. Unloved. Unwanted. And unspoken to. At Lombank, we're with you every step of the way. We sell your dreams. We're not a soulless, monolithic institution. We are, but we use nostalgic imagery. It's walking into your dream home. You can't really afford it. We'll lend you the money anyway. It's kids graduating from college. With pointless degrees riddled with debt. It's happy picnics on the beach. There's sewage in the water. Family portraits with everyone dressed the You look like twats. Canoeing in the lake. By the power station. Catching fireflies in a jar. And watching them die. Cheering at high school football games. The kids are giving each other brain damage. These are the things our lives are made of. Interest rates only 33.4%. Lombank. We're the American bank that truly more or less cares. About profits. You want your kids to be safe, so you give them a mobile phone. What are they going to do when they get attacked? Throw it at someone? Why not force the state to keep us all protected by arming everybody? The senile old lady in her home, the three-year-old on the playground, the priest in his church. We think everybody should carry weapons at all times. That way, nobody gets hurt. It's a proven fact. Where there's more guns, there are less shootings. Vote yes on Proposition 45. Mandatory concealed carry for everybody. The nuclear deterrent won the Cold War. Let's use the same logic and win the war on crime. Proposition 45. Teach your kids to protect themselves. Her car still would not start, but she had scarcely reached the sidewalk when Kimmy Joe honked a horn, pulled over, and shrieked, Althea, you can't walk in this weather. Get in. Why didn't you call me and say you needed a ride? You're stupid. You'll catch cold. Althea rode to school with the captain of the cheerleading squad. Kimmy Joe talked to boys and cheers, got the best parking spaces in the student lot, and danced alongside Althea as they entered the lobby. Sounds like a spaz, dude. I just loved it that you're going with Ryan, she confided. You and Ryan and Constance and Michael, you're such adorable couples. The whole school is crazy jealous of you, Althea. Some girl was changing the artwork of the week, shouted... Hey, Althea, some boy pushing a cart of audiovisual equipment said shyly, Hi, Althea, how are you? Becky bounded over. Althea, are you ever going to forgive me, she said. For what, said Althea, smiling. 
How pretty Becky was, how cute and bunny rabbit-like she looked, her nose twitching in anxiety. For being nasty yesterday, said Becky. Hanging her head, her ponytail fell sadly on her shoulder. I don't know what came over me. I sat there at Pizza Hut and felt like the creep of the century. Don't be mad. I'm not mad, said Althea. We're friends. You need a friend. Becky will be your friend. I have her for good, thought Althea. She will always be my friend. Becky said, Ryan won't see you till fifth period, so he asked me to give you this note. It was a sheet of notebook paper folded six times until it was a fat cube the size of a thumb. Yesterday was out of control. Sorry. Really, really sorry. Are we still friends? Love, Ryan. Kimmy Joe said, I love notes. I see Ryan next period, Althea. I'll take the answer to him. No fair folding it up so I can't read it. They all laughed. Althea wrote, with a great flourish, friends forever, love Althea. School flew by. Never had those 50-minute classes. Class hours seemed so short. Never had lunch been so fun. Ryan sat with her, of course. Settled down very close to her, so her wool skirt rubbed against his corduroy pants. All right, nerd. His bright eyes were only inches from hers. He said, I didn't know how much fun it is to be with you till yesterday when you weren't around. He blushed. He said, I'm not letting that happen again. Outside, the sky lightened and turned blue again, and the sun actually shone, melting the snow that had sealed the skylights. Yellow and gold filtered through. Ryan asked her to go with him to the winter formal. Nothing had ever, nobody had ever asked her to a dance before. Michael said, Constance and I are going, of course. Let's the four of us go together. Would you like that, Althea? Maybe we could have dinner out before the dance. Constance loves elegant restaurants. She'll go anywhere if she can get really dressed up. Two tables away, Jenny sat alone, pushing macaroni around on a lunch plate until it turned cold. Celeste tried to sit with old friends, but they scorned her, elbowed her away, and Celeste, sad and limp, sat with Jenny after all. Althea averted her eyes. After school at her locker, Ryan, Michael, Dusty, Kimmy Joe, and Becky gathered. There was a heavy argument going because some people did not want pizza today, but they were in hamburger moods. There was even a holdout for fried chicken. You decide, Althea, said Michael. We'll follow you. The boys stood on each side of her, and Althea drank in their good looks, their smiles, their attention. My locker, she thought. My locker is where the best people meet. Ordinary kids slipped by, pressed against the far wall, so as not to disturb the popular crowd. Some kept their heads low to avoid notice. Others were brave and stared longingly at Althea and her friends. Celeste was in the first group. Celeste paused to rest, leaning against the wall. She did not look as if she remembered the cheerleading crowd, and they certainly took no notice of her. Celeste fastened her eyes at the far end of the hall, planning the long journey. She picked up first one foot and then the other, trudging on. Constance flew towards them. Everybody shouted, You're late, Constance. Where have you been? Michael held out his right hand, and still running, she clasped it. So they both swung a few feet till her momentum was stopped. Then they smiled secrets in each other's eyes and laughed a little. Althea's hands turned as cold as deep water in ancient lakes. Hi, Althea, said Constance, smiling warmly. We missed you yesterday. Althea's nerves felt as if somebody were sticking needles through her skin. Thank you, she said. You know what, said Constance. What, said Althea. She was out of breath. Her lungs had shrunk. She could not squeeze another molecule of air into them. Constance put her arm around Althea's waist and gave her a slight squeeze. You add so much when you're around, Althea. Somehow the four of them were walking together in one straight line. Michael, Constance, Althea, Ryan. Althea felt like royalty. As the foursome pass, heads turned. People stopped talking, turning or lockering, and feasted their eyes on the two couples. 
Constance said, Do we have to join everybody else again today? Sometimes I get so tired of the crowd. Let's go somewhere, just the four of us, and get to know each other better. She smiled, just for Althea. It's me she wants to get to know better, thought Althea. She wants us to be friends. I'm still waiting to be allowed to use my telescope in your tower room, Althea, said Ryan. His hand left hers briefly to touch her hair. She seemed almost in possession, as if it were his hair now. They reached Michael's car. Michael and Constance sat in front. Ryan and Althea in the back. Well, said Michael, turning the key in the ignition, where are we going? It's up to you. What's your command? Don't do it, she said to herself. Remember Jenny and Celeste, how pitiful they are. Don't do that to Constance. She's a nice person. She wants to be your friend. Don't do it to Michael. He loves Constance. There won't be a Constance left to love if you bring her into the dark path. But I have to, she thought. I can't have a life as lonely and worthless and dreary as last night. As the first year of high school, nobody deserves that kind of life. I deserve friends and I deserve happiness. I have to make a turn at that red light, said Michael, tossing a smile back over his seat to Althea, so if you so you have to issue instructions before then. If you give me Constance, you'll never if you give him Constance, you'll have betrayed a third friend. If you don't give him Constance, you'll never have a friend again. Althea hung tightly to Ryan's hand. She said, Let's go over to my house. There's plenty to do there and plenty to eat. And tower rooms to go in, said Ryan, delighted, squeezing her hand back. And tower rooms to go in, said Althea. Constance clapped her hand. Hands. I missed your party, she said, and I felt so left out. Do I get to go up in that tower too? Of course, said Althea. The valley road was as low and empty as a back alley. No cars except Michael's passed through its darkness. It's always winter on this part of the road, said Constance uneasily. She shifted position in the front seat, playing with the shoulder belt. What's the matter, Michael asked her. It's spooky, Constance was shivering. Aren't you ever afraid, Althea? Constance pulled her coat around her and buttoned the toggles. Oh, she feels it, thought Althea. The dark path has already touched her and somehow she knows something's wrong. She's trying to protect herself. Constance said, the hemlocks circle the house, don't they, like a castle gate. Constance tried to laugh. She pointed toward the outer edge of hemlocks, which formed a dark, needled tower of their own. Double towers, said Ryan, grinning. Nothing had touched him. There was nothing out there but boring old trees. The tips of the hemlocks are waving at me, said Constance. Michael said, Constance, you're not usually so poetic. Next, you're going to tell me that you see ghosts flitting in the shadows. The boys giggled. Constance said, I do see something. It's the wind, said Ryan. If I lived here, said Constance, I'd be afraid of everything always. They were half a block from the blackness from the blackness of loneliness that would enclose Constance forever once she left this bright and shining car. Constance won't be the last one, thought Althea. The vampire was lying. He'll have to have more. I'll have to give them to him. That will be my life, choosing his next victim. That will be who I am, the vampire's procurer. She sat back into Ryan's arms, trying to find comfort, but there was no hiding from the decisions she had made. All I wanted was to be a cheerleader, to have the phone ring, to have friends. Was that so terrible? Was I so wrong? There was only a car length away from her driveway. The cruel green hemlocks had reached down to meet them. The branches seemed to curl their tips in greeting. It was terrible, she thought. I was wrong. Her heart had enlarged. It was bursting with pain. She tried to hate the vampire, but the vampire was not half as important as she was. She hated herself. I am loathsome, 
Human beings do not do that to one another, not what I've done. Even if I save Constance, that won't balance it out, because I can never save Jenny or Celeste. They're gone, so what's the point in ruining everything? I paid so much to purchase popularity. You can't unpay, thought Althea. When you've done a terrible thing, it's there forever and ever. Since that's true, why shouldn't I keep my popularity forever and ever? What difference would it make to Jenny and Celeste? Constance began twining a lock of hair in and around her fingers, nervously looking out into the shadows. It would make a difference to Constance, thought Althea. Althea thought of lonely cafeterias and silent phones. She said calmly, Turn around, Michael. Mm hmm? Michael kept on driving. I'm starving. Let's get pizza after all, explained Althea. I bought you plenty of pizza, protested Ryan. You owe me a tower. No, said Althea. Don't go into my driveway, Michael. But it was too late. Michael had already turned into the driveway. Back up, screamed Althea. She leaned over her seat and took hold of Michael's shoulders and shook him. Get out of here. Michael stopped the car. Rear wheels in the street, front wheels in the driveway. Hemlocks reached down all around him, trying to move them forward, coaxing them another few feet. Althea, you're sweet, said Constance. I'm being silly, afraid of a dumb old hedge. It's okay, Althea. I want to go to your house. Really, don't pay attention to me. Constance, tap the steering wheel. Drive on in, Michael. No, whispered Althea. I'm not inviting you after all. Michael and Ryan stared at her appalled, but Constance said, Let's hop out here. Let's walk the rest of the way. She put her hand on the door handle. Althea thought of Constance drained and stupid, of Constance dulled and trudging. She thought of Constance, ignored and unloved. No, screamed Althea, don't get out of this car. Now she was gripping Constance's coat as well as Michael's. This is a wrestling match, said Michael politely. Althea, what's the matter with you? Ryan said tightly, she doesn't want me around, do you, Althea? That's what this is about, isn't it? His handsome face was marred by hurt and confusion. You plain just don't want me at your house. There must be a way to have it all, though. There must be a way to have it all, thought Althea. Surely I can have friends and foil the vampire. There must be a way to hang on to my friends. I'll have thought up some excuse for this by the time we reach Pizza Hut. Fine, said Ryan. You go to your precious tower, Althea. We'll go somewhere else. He yanked Althea's hands off Michael and Constance and leaned across Althea's lap and opened the door. He pointed to the driveway. Get to stepping. Althea laughed hysterically and stepped out of the car. The vampire was going to take away her popularity right now. She would not even get as far as Pizza Hut. Ryan said to Michael, So do what the lady says. Back up and drive away. Ryan slammed the door behind her. Althea stood in the slush. The valley lay chilled and quiet. It was like being in a gutter, with dead leaves and torn newspapers tangling around her ankles. Michael's car backed up. Michael's car drove away. Constance was safe. Althea walked to her house without looking back. The branches of the hemlocks leaned down to meet her, and the dark needles of the hemlock closed behind her. Hope was gone. I'm Don of Don's Country Store, where you want to stop shop for night crawlers, stink bait, animal calls, fishing license, deer way station, mashed liquor, rocking chairs and shotguns, fireworks, Burley's world-famous pies, Civil War memorabilia, reading material, castor oil, VHS tapes, and the newest fax and telex machines. We also offer hog feed, chicken feed, and Merlin's hominy grits. We have patriotic items, too. We are the center of a thriving community. Stop by and set a spell. Don's Country Store. 
The future is now. The future is in the cloud. Cloud computing. What's cloud computing? Imagine a computer you share with everyone. Imagine your private data spread around the world, being shared equally with everyone. It's the cloud. I'm in the cloud. It's utopia. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Imagine instead of your own computer, it's a giant one we all share together. Your data is safe. It's in the cloud. Everyone's in the cloud. Live life surrounded by the mists of time with Cumulonimbus Computing. The cloud is hard to describe. You can't see when you're in it. And when you get close, it disappears. Where'd the cloud go? Now, when your data is damaged, you don't need to fire the IT department. You can fire the internet. You're fired, internet. We've taken the metaphor to extremes because when you're in the cloud, lightning won't strike. It's Cumulonimbus Computing. I'm really in the clouds. You're in the clouds now. Exhaustion, unlike anything she'd ever known, tormented Althea. The steps up the porch were like mountains. The scale of everything had changed. She was a tiny child now. And these were the stairs of a giant. I did the right thing, she thought, weeping. I saved Constance. Why didn't I get to keep my friends when I was good at last? The vampire met her on the top step. The symmetry of his teeth was hypnotic. The points of two of them were as piercing as pencil tips, fresh from the sharpener. An interesting choice, said the vampire, his voice as level as a lily pad on still waters. Your cheerleaders will laugh at you. Your football player will forget you. You do have, you know, a forgettable face. Althea opened her purse and took out a mirror. In its little square, she studied this forgettable part of her body. Although the vampire stood directly behind her, when she tilted the mirror, he did not show in the glass. He has no reflection, she thought, and I, in the morning, will have no reflection either. Nobody will know my name or face. As for me, said the vampire, I too had made a choice. She closed the plastic cover on her little purse mirror and put it away. There would be no need to use it again. It would never again matter how she looked. Her voice was sticky like spider webs. You were no longer a match for me, my dear. I'm his dear, she thought. I catered to him and pandered to him. You know how low you've fallen when you are dear to a vampire. The vampire touched her chin and lifted her face to look at him. He never touched her before. It was as spongy as she had expected, as if he were swollen with rot beneath the skin. It's time, my dear, said the vampire. Time for what, said Althea dully. She had no time that mattered any more. Nobody was waiting for her or interested in her at all. For us, said the vampire. He swept his cape around her shoulders and they walked together in its black velvet. The foul smell of him was intoxicating. She gagged, but she wanted more of it. She breathed deeply. He said, just a few more steps to negotiate, my dear. She took his hand. His fingernails wrinkled and tarnished like old foil glittered against her fair skin. He said, I do so love the view from the tower, don't you, my dear? She said, are you migrating? Is that what's happening? Of course, my dear. You're just going to feel, feel a little tired afterwards. Althea nodded. She said, I'm not arguing with you. I thought I would argue with you. There was that time I threw chairs at you. You welcomed my presence. You were eager. You thought you were saving Constance, but that's not really the case. You wanted to be here yourself, Althea. You wanted to be part of the migration. Althea's minds drifted. Like robins, she asked. Like swallows. The vampire smiled. His curly pink tongue ran wetly around his thin lips and stroked his teeth. Not quite. There, Althea, we've reached the landing. Another few steps and we'll be at the tower door. The vampire's face was all teeth, sharpened at the ends like pencils. You said you would make me popular, Althea said. 
And you had a good time, didn't you, my dear? Being popular was quite wonderful, wasn't it? Althea stumbled. The vampire said, This is the last step, Althea. He drooled over the words. The very last step you ever have to take, he whispered. The very last step, thought Althea. But it's not the last step that... But it's not the last step ever. It's the first step. If I had not taken the first step, I would not be here now. I brought him Celeste. It's fitting that I should surrender surrender to him now and become like Celeste and Jenny. I deserve it. Does our original agreement stand? asked Althea. I suppose it does, said the vampire, although that hardly matters now. Come, my dear, let's open the tower door together. What happened? said Althea, trying to lift her foot up the last step, trying to go with him, after me. There are others, said the vampire, girls who don't matter, girls without friends, girls who will do whatever I ask. He smiled hugely. Girls like you, my dear. Who want to be more popular? said Althea. The vampire nodded and bent over to help lift her foot over the final barrier. Althea's voice became a whisper. She said, I want to be popular one more time, please. The evil crescent of the vampire's smile covered his face. Because if I could be popular just one more time, she begged, she groveled, she whined. I would remember it, she sobbed. I would frame it in my mind and keep it. I would make it last, like an ice cream cone. I would have it slowly. I would know how wonderful it is. Like an ice cream cone, repeated the vampire, laughing. Licking the edges, trying not to let it drip away from you, he licked his lips in a circular motion. Please, she sobbed, please let me be popular one more time. The vampire paused. He looked around the house, the house from which neither she nor he could ever escape. He opened the tower door. It creaked when it swung. The tower room was frigid. The window she had left open when Ryan parked in the driveway had a rim of ice on it. He looked at Althea, clinging to his hand, begging, begging for one more gift. Well, said the vampire, I'll do anything, she said fervently. I'll do anything. The vampire laughed again. I know, my dear, you always have. She clasped her hands. Then I can have my popularity one more time. I can sit with Ryan and Becky and Kimmy Joe and Michael. I can cheer in one more game. A desperate tremor of a smile. A hideous facsimile of a smile spurted across his face like a wound. Hold out your arm, Althea, said the vampire. She held both her arms straight out like tree branches. He gave her an invisible burden, spread on her extended arms and palms as if she were carrying a freshly ironed gown. Your popularity, he breathed, as invisible as you will be in the morning. The popularity was invisible, but it warmed her. The suntan of friendship, she could hear the voices of friendship, distant laughter and remote chatter. It caught her up like traffic, rushing her down the halls, tossing her among the best crowd. I did anything to get you, she thought. I destroyed myself to have you. I'm going to do it again, too. A cold draft from the tower passed through the popularity, turning it as autumn winds turn leaves. It awakened her slightly, as chilly winds do, and she looked up into the tower. The shutters will stay open, she thought, long after I have sunk like Jenny and Celeste. The vampire's dark path will cross the hemlocks and slip through the trees and find others, other girls who want to be popular, who are weak. I am going down, thought Althea, but I will not take another girl with me. I will take him with me. There will be nothing left of me, but instead of my popularity, one last time I will have the vampire. It will be his last time. Resolve, warmer, hotter, sterner than popularity, filled her heart, her mind, and soul. I reject your gift, said Althea softly. I'm getting rid of it. You can't do that, said the vampire. Althea smiled. The smile inched down her body, giving her strength, first to her face, then to her shoulders, her heart, her arms. 
The vampire's teeth went back into his mouth. He looked alarmed. That's your source of power, isn't it? She cried. When weak people take what you offer, you become strong. You would have had no more power if I had the courage to ignore you. Strength from understanding crept into her legs, and Althea kicked his black cape away and stomped on it. She began laughing. The vampire took a step backwards into the tower room. I won't let you do it to others, said Althea. I won't let you lay out any more dark paths. The vampire held up his hands to stop her, and she smacked him out of the way. No, said the vampire, you can't do this. Rhythm unbroken, feet unstoppable, Althea stomped towards the vampire. As she advanced, he backed up. You are nothing, and I am a match for you, Althea cried. The vampire kept moving backwards. She leapt forward. The vampire hunched over into a ball like a porcupine hiding its soft underbelly. Althea grabbed him. She took her popularity and pushed it against him, shoved it on him, wiped it on his face and his clothes. She mopped him with it. There, she said, it's yours again. His speech changed. He no longer sounded like a human. He no longer spoke English. A whimpering babble spurted from his mouth. His sharp teeth hung over the edge of his thin lips like foam. I'm free, Althea said. She smiled, not at the vampire, nor the world, nor at a handsome boy, but at herself. She was free. That deserved a smile. Efficiently, she snapped the shutters together. The shutters that had rebelled when she was weak surrendered now that she was strong. The vampire was trapped by the shutters that bound, that bound him like lids on coffins. She left the tower, the door locked by itself, and for a while the vampire beat on the floor and on the door. But he had no power without a victim, and eventually the noise stopped. I have stopped him, thought Althea, but what matters more, I stopped myself. She walked down the stairs, walked out of the house, walked into the yard, in the sleet and the ugly dark. There were no threats. There was only weather and winter. I have no friends, but I will have to make friends the way that other people do, one at a time, by being nice. I'm not a cheerleader. I will have I will have to get on the squad the way that other girls do, by practicing hard. Someday I will have it back, but I will have earned it. It will be mine, and I will never have to give it away. I will deserve it. The house is still there. Although Althea moved away, the hemlocks are taller, thicker and darker. When night falls, cars do not drive by and strangers keep their distance. Two winters have damaged the towers. One of the shutters has come loose. It's banging against the tower as if something inside hopes to get out. The house is for sale. It will probably appeal to somebody with children, children, somebody who needs plenty of space. One of the children might become curious about the tower and play with the shutters and find a vampire. A vampire who needs a victim. A vampire who is waiting and winning. Selling your 40,000 square foot mansion? At Windsor Real Estate, we are the home of super prestigious real estate in Los Santos. Our experienced and knowledgeable professionals work hard. We look up some mansions on the internet, get the keys, give you a tour, and then make 6% on the back of the biggest investment of your life. Live the dream. Be the best you possible. For the man who isn't satisfied with one roof over his head, he wants several, preferably with a cinema, bowling alley, two pools, health club quality gym, meditation room, swinger grotto, punishment dungeon, 7,000 bottle wine cellar, moving sidewalks, 47 places to watch television, hidden cameras and two-way mirrors, no bookcases, a shark aquarium, exotic petting zoo, and 18-foot rotating bed. Windsor Real Estate. Real estate at the highest price imaginable. It's who you are. 
anxiety, depression, trauma. Don't depend on pills. Find a permanent solution, a transorbital solution, in just 20 minutes. Originally pushed underground as an alternative therapy, the lobotomy is a safe, fast procedure that snips a couple of troublesome nerve endings in your brain. Afterwards, you'll be completely brain dead, like everyone else in the state. Perfect for consuming our culture-free lifestyle. Just as there's a permanent surgical solution for solving that hunger in your stomach, there's a surgical solution that solves the anxiety and hunger for answers in your brain. The San Andreas Lobotomy. All right, Spooky Squad, thank you very much for tuning back in to another wonderful and exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. That is the end of The Vampire's Promise by Carolyn B. Cooney. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I know it was a a long string of episodes, but hopefully it was enjoyable for you guys. I'd like to once again encourage you guys to message me on Instagram.com slash DukeLandis17 if you have any comments, comments, questions, or concerns. I do love hearing from you guys, and uh, yeah, please don't hesitate to reach out. It might take me a while to get back to you, but go ahead and do it, and I'll see it when I see it, and I'll get back to you when I can. And before signing off, I would like to encourage you guys also to check out my dear buddy, Eli Locke, and his music page on Spotify, iTunes, I think uh, wherever good music is sold or listened to. That's Eli, Eli Locke, L-O-C-K-E, and I believe you can find him on Instagram uh, under the name Eli Locke Music. I would encourage you to give him a like, give him a follow, and check out his music. I'm going to play two of his songs before the episode wraps. They are... Welcome to the shit show, and she loves me for my wiener. Thank you guys for listening. Stay spooky. Welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to the shit show. I got a miller on my mind, but any beer's fine. Any bar, any place, any time, 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 drink my coffee black long as Jack swimming in it. Keep your body pants on, cause a good time's given. Welcome to the shit show. Follows wherever I go. I'm a double SSOB. Short for a shot, shooting son of a bitch. If you're looking for a party, hell, I've already started. I'm a certified cocaine pro. Welcome to the shit show. A guy that can have just one or two shots Three shots, four shots, fun Friday night around 5 p.m. I'm six, seven, eight, nine sheets to the wind Welcome to the shit show Follows wherever I go I'm a double S-S-O-B Short for a shot shooting son of a bitch If you're looking for a party Hell, I've already started I'm a certified cocaine pro Welcome to the shit show
shit show follows wherever I go. I'm a double SSOB, sure for a shot shooting son of a bitch. If you're looking for a party, hell, I've already started. I'm a certified cocaine pro. Good boy. 